Hello and welcome to the second episode of We Didn't Start the Fire, the history lesson you wish you had. It is episode two tonight. If you missed episode one, don't worry about it. It wasn't great. But tonight I am so excited. It is a topic of my choice. It is the feminine wonder that is Titanic. An absolute passion of mine. I think I sped over here. I'm so excited about tonight's episode and I have so many facts to share about the bizarre things that happened with Titanic. So a really quick recap, um, half of the po- this podcast, um, every second episode will be sort of unpacking the song we didn't start the fire, but every following week will be a topic of my choice. So, of course, this made number one. Um, basically, I watched the, ep- the movie of Titanic a few times. Uh, the first time it showed on our TV, I was too young, so I hid around the corner of my bedroom when the sinking um, started, the sinking part of the movie started. and uh, But I've since watched it um, – I've since watched it a few times. But it wasn't until the tragic that was the Titan uh, just recently this year that the Titanic started sort of popping up in my TikTok um, for you page and uh, all around me as it was a bit of a buzzword. So I started coming across some really interesting facts about the Titanic. So I'm very excited to do an episode on the Titanic tonight. So here we go. Just a really quick uh, reminder about uh, the station number if you want to text in. It was so nice to hear from some people last week. So if you do want to text in, the phone number is 0493-213-831. I'll say that one more time, 0493-213-831. 831. But lots of people just texted me last week on my personal phone. Please feel free to keep doing that. That's absolutely fine. We do just have the station phone here as well. Okay, so here we go. Um, The Titanic. So the whole duration of the sinking time, we'll call it for the Titanic, was two hours and 40 minutes. So all Everything from the moment they hit the iceberg to when the sink, uh, sorry, when the ship broke in two and when it found its final resting place on the ocean floor was two hours and 40 minutes. If you have seen the James Cameron movie, 1997, it was released, it goes for three hours and 15 minutes. So pretty much when the sort of second scene of the sinking starts, it's actually pretty accurate as to how long it all took. It was extremely quick. All right, here we go. So it was Titanic was the largest man-made movable object at the time in all of history. It was 53 metres high and 268 metres long. It had 840 rooms. It took two years to build from 1910 to 1912 and on its um, takeoff day, over 100,000 people gathered. It was a really, really big thing of the time. There was lots of news about it. It was, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that was going on at the time. It could carry 900,000 kilos and 
it could go as fast as 23 knots, which for the time was quite fast. Uh, and remember that number, 23 knots. Uh, it would cost 148 million Australian dollars to build today. The movie was actually 200 million to make, so it actually trumped the creation of Titanic. Uh, fun fact: the movie take took eight eight months to film. Uh, the Titanic took three thousand men to build, and eight actually dr- died during the building of this ship uh, through accidents and things falling, electrocution, things like that. Obviously, the safety standards were not quite the same as they are today. It was built in Belfast, which I automatically ticked to being in America, but no Belfast Island. It was the White Starland, so White Starland Company, that was a company that built it, and they didn't want to rush it. It was a luxurious grand boat and they took everything slow to build it with perfection. But when it came time to uh, the date it was meant to set sail, some things uh, were not complete. I'll get into that soon. For the building of the Titanic, it was six days a week, 14 hours a day, and they these men worked for very little money. Uh, there was lots of pressure on the build of this boat. There was no imperfections allowed. The richest people would board this ship, so they had a lot of pressure on their shoulders to deliver something incredible and something that has never been built before. Just thought I'd quickly mention that Jack and Rose were not based on real characters on the boat, real passengers, which I, uh, that was only quite news to me and that might be a bit heartbreaking to hear. So <laughs> there you go. I did get a text from Beck. Thank you so much. Um, she's excited to hear this, which is great. So thank you. Oh, and um, my beautiful stepmom, Monica, welcome back. She just got back from Bali this morning and she's tuning in with Donovan. So amazing. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. All right. Now, I just wanted to mention that the Titanic is often referred to as a her. I think it makes it all the more heartbreaking when we humanise something. And uh, throughout this podcast, I'll be referring to the boat as her, um, as it was during the time and is still referred to. So, her maiden voyage, April 10th, 1912 from Southampton, England, and it was travelling to New York. It was a glorious, happy day. The sun was shining. Everything seemed perfect. At 12 o'clock, the Titanic set sail, actually via tiny little tugboats. So, they pulled um, the Titanic off the dock and away it went. Everything was going smoothly for about 10 minutes until there was a small collision straight away, USMS New York, so um, near miss. So, they were four feet away from hitting this boat. Uh, To be honest, they got caught up in the sail away and not focused on what was in front of them. So almost a problem 10 minutes in. The journey was expected to take six days and they only got four days in before tragedy hit. Uh, It was a lot of immigrants on this boat and only the immigrants had to be checked for lice. If you're a first or second class, you did not have to be checked. Uh, So predominantly this boat was third class. 
There was 2,223 passengers on board, 1,324 passengers and 908 crew. So almost, um, you know, half of, half of it being the crew. The ticket prices, I've actually converted them to Australian dollars today. So for a first class room, this would include a queen bed, a view, a couch and a balcony. Um, you're looking at $5,183 today. There was also parlour rooms. They were the most expensive. You got, again, your own private deck. It was a suite. And there was only a few of these. And the price is incredible. $148,087 for one of these rooms. Just insane to think about the price there. Second class, $1,925. It just really included a bed, wardrobe and a couch. Still to have a couch in your room, that's pretty cool. So um, first class pilot, second class rooms were very nice. But third class, this was also referred to as steerage. It was between $518 to $1,332. There were actually rats in third class when it took off. So to give you a bit of an um, idea, a lot of money and time and effort was put into these first class and parlour rooms and the third class was um, kind of a second thought up until the very sinking of the boat. The richest man on board was named John Jacob Astor. He was worth 330, uh, $355 million at the time. On his body, they actually found $4,442 worth of cash strapped to him. So for all of third class, there was only two bathrooms for all of those passengers. So one female and one male. Obviously, male um, <laughs> would probably just go off the boat in some cases, but to think about it like that. Also, there was lots of children in third class as well. So to only have the one bathroom, um, yeah, it's just it's really interesting to think of. So as I mentioned before, some things were not complete. Many rooms were not complete um, and they were the third class rooms. So no heating or the heating was always switched on, which I don't know what's worse. I mean, yeah. However, when it came time to sink, um, the heating on would have been the preference. Uh, something that obviously isn't explored in the movie and something I found interesting was that there was four restaurants, one gym, two barbershops, two libraries, one large swimming pool and a church on board. So in the movie, you don't see these sorts of things. You see the beautiful restaurants, but to think about that it also had those things um, as well on board. Uh, the menu, so I researched into the menu. I should just say, I was meant to say this at the start of the episode, um, I spent quite a long time researching this and I got my facts from a variety of different websites, but the most um, the most factual I found was a sort of Titanic um, uh, museum websites. So uh, I made sure that my facts were checked over across three different sort of um, – three different websites to make sure I was giving you only correct facts because I think over time um, facts of Titanic have, have changed. All right. So menu, first class, oysters, fillet mignon, salmon, salmon and roast beef. It was um, just 
the top of the top food for first class. Second class, still quite nice. Mashed potato, lamb, turkey, peas. And third class, porridge, roast beef and um, potatoes. So still not too bad, but um, obviously the higher class up, the nicer food you got. On board, there was a 1,000 bottles of wine, 850 bottles of liquor, 1,135 litres of ice cream, 50,000 pieces of china that was just imported for this ship, so just created for it. Um, You will actually, if you watch um, the Titanic again after this, which I hope you do because that's exactly what I did after my research to to sort of see it in action, um, you will notice at the start that James Cameron – you, uh, goes down and does some diving and looks into the Titanic. Um, that was true footage. So that's him actually exploring the Titanic. He went down eight times as part of his research. And you can see um, different things that they find. And one of the things is the China just stacked. Um, and to think that it was imported and made just for the Titanic and um, a lot of pieces were never touched is an, another fact uh, so, so that's so unsettling. There is also a doll that they find – in the movie, which is quite creepy. Um, But obviously things were just left as is. There was $6 million of cash on board. A lot of, um, as I said, lots of immigrants on board who were purely travelling for a better life in America. But there was also uh, just rich people who were um, there for pleasure. And I'll get into some of those names um, shortly. All right. Uh, one passenger that was um, well known on board was the Macy's department store owners, and uh, they um, their story has become the way they ended their time, their life uh, in Titanic is something that um, still comes up today. Also, Molly Margaret Brown. Uh, she was in the movie played by, I want to say, it's not Kathy Bates, is it, William? Yeah, it is Kathy Bates. Um, the unsinkable Margaret Molly Brown. So that is correct. She was a passenger and she was the only person that convinced the crew to go back and collect some more people on her lifeboat, lifeboat number six. She did also survive. Um, so there's some good karma for you. Just a very quick Note from our sponsors. Don't worry about a thing. Because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. Don't worry about a thing. Because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. If you got a tummy ache, or you don't feel right, or if you have a nasty rash keeping you up at night, don't worry about a thing. Don't worry. Because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. Thank you for that. Atticus Health, get on down. So... The 
ship life was an exciting place. Parties, dining. Uh, the captain was often caught dining with the guests in every meal. Um, so life on board was a really happy time and majority of the crew were crew and passengers were completely oblivious until the last minute really um i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's kind of nice to think that the last you know part of their lives were really just um a glorious happy time the architect of the boat was named uh thomas andrew and that's another one to remember so april 14th 1912 um, it hit the iceberg and on April 15th, 1912, it sank. So just sort of two dates because it was late at night. So now we sort of turn into the second part of James Cameron's Titanic where it goes downhill. So there was, and I did actually reveal this fact last week, um, the last episode, so I'll just remind you of it. So there was a senior wireless operator, so the messenger, um, well, his name was Jack Phillips. So he received messages from the other boats and also communication from different ports. So he receives warning from the other boats further in, um, west of, further in west of icebergs at 9am in the morning, okay? So quite a, quite a long time before we actually hit the iceberg. There were small icebergs. They're called growlers. Um, they're not really dangerous. It's not an emergency. So the level in which this message was passed to him was um, that he had two hours to pass the message, uh, pass this message on to the captain, and he did, and the captain was not worried. Um, so the he the captain was given this message at ten fifteen within the given time frame. He was not worried at all. He was actually eating lunch. Eleven o'clock that day. So think about it. Um, ten ten fifteen. The captain hears about the first warning, and then at eleven o'clock, he cancels the lifeboat drills for the crew. The crew had never practiced before. Now, to actually load a lifeboat safely and correctly, the time was an hour per boat. So just think about that. They had never practiced before. And if you see in the movie, it is quite true that they kind of are yelling and screaming and there's ropes going everywhere. They were not rehearsed at all. So he cancels the lifeboat lifeboat drills. There was no reason as to why that ever happened Um to be honest, there was nothing that ever came from why did he do that. That's kind of the first thing that really went wrong. So the safety standards at the time um, were that the Titanic needed to have 64 lifeboats with 65 people per boat, but they felt that the more lifeboats they had, the more it would be clattered and they didn't want that. This was an exciting new ship. So they agreed on 43 they then renegotiated and landed on 20. So even if the boat was fully equipped with um, lifeboats, only 53% of passengers would have survived. It was called the unsinkable ship. They really felt the technology at the time was life-changing and they did not see any possible problems with this ship. It was built to last. The plan was to show up to New York 
one day earlier than promised as a surprise. It would get people talking. It would make news. Everyone would want to turn on the Titanic. So they went 23 knots the entire way. This was a maximum speed. It was recommended about 15. So think about it. Really, really speeding ahead. Um, the Atlantic Ocean is where this all took part. It was filled with icebergs. Um, it was just that time of year. Sadly, it was the coldest April in about 23 years when they set sail. So 12 p.m., second iceberg warning. So remember, he had two hours to deliver it because it's still not emergency level. And he delivered it to the captain right on two o'clock actually. So he was pushing his luck this time. He had nothing to worry about. Um, nothing to worry about, said the captain. Just a reminder that this Jack Phillips, um, he was the only man doing that job. I think that's one of – well, she'll go to here. I think that's definitely one of the jobs that was completely understaffed um, and what turned out to be so much responsibility on one man. 5.30, so coming into the evening, the temperature drops 10 degrees pretty quickly. The water temperature at this time is 28 degrees Fahrenheit or 2 degrees Celsius. So there was an announcement – um, and thank you to William who's just quickly converted. 23 knots is 42 kilometres per hour, which doesn't sound quick, but when you have a, uh, a boat of that stature, was extremely quick. So the announcement came out um, around the boat. Rug up if you're going outside. It's a really chilly, chilly night. Due to warnings of icebergs, they did have a plan. So they did consider the icebergs ahead <laughs> At 5.50, the Titanic actually changed its course and it was going to go along the Gulf Stream. This was promised free of icebergs. However, as I mentioned before, the coldest year in 23 years, 1912 was not a normal year for icebergs. The cold water actually pushed the Gulf Stream further south. So they were going straight into worser icy territory. So if they had a stayed on course, um, the story is that they would have survived. 9.50 p.m. Phillips, so Jack Phillips received his last iceberg warning. Iceberg fields now. So it's only been one or two icebergs. Now we're talking about iceberg fields. 15 miles away, Titanic is still going full speed. So it is meant to um, have a code MSG and MSG means emergency. So, as you know, the previous two warnings have had a two-hour time limit. This was meant to say MSG, but it didn't have this code. The person who sent out the message forgot to put the code on the message. And therefore, he this didn't actually um, make it to the captain, this message, because it was just deemed another one and the captain was getting pretty annoyed by these messages. And poor Jack, he was so busy delivering passengers their telegrams that were coming through, which I just so many questions about that, but whatever. So now the Californian was a ship nearby and it sends a message to Titanic saying they had stopped sailing for the evening due to dangerous ice. They were completely stationary. They're letting them know this is what we're doing. It was a moonless night that night, which just adds to the trauma of it all. It was pitch black so the Californian advises Titanic to stop as well. 
Phillips, Jack Phillips, he was stressed out trying to deliver all of the messages. He felt like the iceberg warnings were a nuisance. So he actually wrote back to the Californian, shut up, I'm busy. That was the final warning, the warning that could have saved them and that was his response, shut up, I'm busy. The Californian responded with fuck Titanic, we're shutting off communications. The Californian was 20 miles away at this stage and if they had have kept on communications, it's believed they would have been able to save the Titanic passengers in less than an hour. I'll go on to talk about um, what happened with the Californian. Okay, so now we move on to more bizarre things that happened. So we're going to talk about the watch guards. So they're the people in the movie that you see um, keeping watch of icebergs ahead. They didn't have binoculars. A safety officer that checked the binoculars prior to their disembarkment accidentally locked the cupboard and took the key prior to to Titanic's departure. So they didn't even have access to binoculars. And I always think, why don't you open the cupboard? But they had no fear. There was no reason to be panicked. So they just thought, oh, well, we'll just keep a watch. Um, One watch guard actually had extremely poor eyesight. So it's just, yeah. 11.39 p.m., 1,000 yards away, so 914 metres Frederick Fleet spots the iceberg and calls iceberg right ahead, but it was too late. The iceberg was 50 to 100 feet high, so approximately 30 metres, and 200 to 400 feet long, approximately 121 metres The boat was 274 metres, so think of – Think of it, it's actually half the boat. From the second he yelled iceberg ahead, 37 seconds between hitting and uh, yelling and hitting. So upon calling the warning, crewmate Murdoch demands engines be put into reverse immediately. So the ship will be steered to the right so it wouldn't collide at the front with the iceberg. If they had have collided from the front, it would have saved them two hours. But they changed the course of the boat and it got them in a worse spot. The iceberg scratched and punctured every compartment of the boat, so more than half the boat. Water is gushing through, and I'll talk about how quickly soon. And the feeling that the passengers felt was like an earthquake. It really did stop them and they had a good shake. The crew... Um, nothing to be concerned about. They they told people nothing to be concerned about. We did hit a little iceberg. The captain demands an emergency request from the Californian. As you remember, the Californian had cut off all communications. So a fellowship Carpathia was four hours away. The captain, when the captain found out, the response or lack of from both ships. So the Californian four hours, uh, Californian was an hour away but shut off communications and the Carpathia was four hours away. He knew the ship was going down. So he knew pretty soon after the iceberg hit, which is really chilling. The Carpathia 
was going um, 14 knots in its travel and it bumped it up to 17 to be quicker and we'll hear about uh, what happened to Carpathia soon. So the captain demanded for women and children to be loaded into the lifeboats first. People were really annoyed at this request. So imagine being a first-class passenger, you got a knock on your door and they said, just to be safe, we're going to load you into the lifeboat. They were really annoyed. A lot of them refused to go, so much so that um, the first boat that took off only had 28 people because that's actually the only amount of people they could get in the boats. The guests were bothered, as I said, no lack of urgency, and this was detrimental to the whole um, effort of survival. They also didn't want to separate from their husbands and dads, which you can understand. If you're just doing a drill, or what they were pretty much told, they don't want to be separated from their loved ones. At this stage also, the Titanic looked fine. It didn't look damaged, so it didn't match the action that the guests were asked to do. As I said, it took one hour for the first boat to be launched, with 28 people in it. First class only were told they did not tell third class anything until two hours into the whole thing. In fact, what is just such a heartbreaking fact is they actually put gates up to block the third class passengers and if you've seen the movie, you'd know that, that they have the gates out. They did not let the gates down until really the last minutes. So at this stage, 400 tonnes, so 400,000 kilos per minute was coming on board. The water at this stage was minus two degrees Celsius and hypothermia was actually the biggest cause of death. It wasn't drowning, it was hypothermia. This took anywhere between 15 to 45 minutes and it did actually send people mad. Um, that was one of the signs that um, hypothermia has uh, does to you and also it can trick you to make you think you're feeling hot which just adds to it what you don't see in the movie is the and uh, I I would say that the movie is quite romanticized but what you don't see is uh, what you don't hear is a lot of the sounds that were taking place there was constant screaming people throwing items, people committing suicide by just jumping off the boat. Two lifeboats fell into the water and they just drifted away. So two lifeboats just were not used at all. Do they go back and save others? So there was some lifeboats that um, were on, you know, they, sorry, they, they were on their way, they'd got some passengers, but it was extremely tense and the people, um, it was actually a lot of the women who spoke out and said, can we please go back? Our lifeboat's not full. And the men, um, the crew members who were in charge of the boat were very aggressive and, you know, people were pushed and told to shut up and sit down because it was that if they go back, they're going to be trampled. So it, it was really... Um, uh, the biggest moral dilemma because, yes, they could have been trampled by all the people that wanted to get on the boat, but they could also fit some more people. So Ava Hart, uh, she was actually a second-class survivor and she was on Lifeboat 14. She gives a quote about the sounds. The sounds of people dying 
Sorry, the sounds of people drowning are something I cannot describe to you and neither can anyone else. It's the most dreadful sound and then there is a terrible silence that follows it. So it's important to remember there was absolute hysteria at this stage, people screaming, crying, it just constant. So as I said, Molly Brown um, – she was in Lifeboat 6, the only boat that went back to get people, um, as I said before. We'll just have another quick word from our sponsors. Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street for a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's. Caram Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza. Head on down to Freddy's Kitchen. We actually went there with our good friends, um, Sabrina and Smyrtle, and their gorgeous baby, Harry, and had a lovely dinner. So... Head on down. I did receive a text from Monica who says, Paul Beatty played Captain Smith at a Titanic production at Chapel off Chapel. Absolutely. Um, William showed me his photo. I, I, I knew that and I thought, when can I do this shout out? And that was a perfect shout out. So William did show me his photo. So our uncle did play the captain in um, a Titanic musical. There you go. So something I really wanted to talk about was um, the orchestra and – um, we're going to end with uh, this episode, not yet, but we're going to end it with um, one of their songs, which I really encourage you to listen to, especially because the podcast version doesn't translate the songs we played due to copyright. So <laughs> make sure you stay tuned for that. So the orchestra was made up of eight men from Liverpool and they're in their early 20s to 30s, the youngest being 21. They are said to be some of the last crew still standing, playing for the passengers as the ship went down. Um, and again, as you um, watch the movie, you'll see that they do. They just keep playing the whole time. Um, the, the last song they played was called Nearer My God To Thee and it is a really harrowing song. Um, that's the song we're going to play at the end of this episode and actually in this um, song at the end – is a quote um, of gentlemen. It has been an honour playing with you this evening, and that was the last words and spoken bef- um, in the orchestra. They were their purpose was to calm everyone down. The saddest, one of the saddest parts is they didn't even try to get in the lifeboat. Um, they knew what they had to do, and they just did it. Um, so the last moment, the bow went up and then down. So, as you know, the ship broke in half due to the pressure and people jumped off in the water, um, grabbing and trying as best they could to survive, obviously. Some people actually stayed in their rooms. So, as I mentioned, Macy's store, the owners, they stayed in their room until the very end. Um, And in the movie, you'll see them laying on the bed together. Benjamin Guggenheim, he was an American businessman, came from an extremely wealthy family. He smoked a cigar and sat in one of the bars uh, drinking whiskey uh, and he, in his suit and he thought um, 
you know, that's the best way to go down. So the saying the captain goes down with the ship was the protocol here too. So the captain went into the wheelhouse. He knew um, another really sad um, thing is that he knew the exact point to go in um, when everything would explode. So he knew that the gr- um, the grass, uh, the glass, sorry, would shatter him. And he knew he would go quickly and he wanted to be uh, the person who was most at the front of the ship. Also, the architect that I mentioned before, uh, the architect of the boat, he um, spent his last minutes in the parlour looking at his favourite painting and you can see that in the movie. Um, a lot of the crew actually shot themselves. Um, there was a few guns obviously on board and that was um, a better option for them than hypothermia and drowning. And first, a lot of the first class tried to pay off to get on the lifeboats um, and the quote was, obviously, your money is no good here. So uh, interesting to to think that your class literally defined your place, um, your time to death, basically. There was uh, – the boat had $600 million of insurance and that was USD. Uh, so now I've got to flash back to the Carpathia. It was three and a half hours away. So it was meant to take four, but it was took three and a half because it went a little bit faster. So really it missed the, the full end of the sinking by really only an hour. It actually hit six icebergs along the way. 706 people were rescued and they were put onto the Carpathia and the passengers took them in, gave them their room, gave them clothes, gave them food. And one thing I really didn't consider is that these Titanic passengers who did survive, they literally um, jumped off the ship, managed to survive and then get onto another ship. So the one thing that caused them the extreme trauma and heartbreak that they've just suffered, they had to get back onto. And it took four days, sorry, three days to get back to New York. By this stage, the world did know. Um, the, so it happened, as I said, around midnight. And that morning it was in the papers. The message had all come out. Um so the world did know, but imagine three days until, um, you know, word got out that Titanic had sunk and that a lot of passengers were dead, but they didn't know who. So imagine having a family member on Titanic and just waiting to see if they got off. And also then you wouldn't even know instantaneously because we don't have the same technology as we do now, obviously. Um, so, there's a famous photo of a little boy holding a newspaper the following morning. Um, a lot of the rescue bodies that they could get were um, frozen, which actually really helped the identification process. But the amount that they got was not many at all. Um, uh, I wanted to um, end with two different parts and the first thing is just some fun facts about the Titanic so uh, we now come to the end of what the story was and and now it moves into the reflecting stage of the Titanic William's written down some questions for me so I'm going to read out these two different things and then if I haven't answered them he's going to ask me which I'm a bit scared about because I might not know them so here we go 
Oh, he's assured me he knows about it, so it's okay. Okay, so here's some interesting facts. I won't call them fun, interesting facts. Titanic, um, it still currently lies 12,600 feet underwater in Newfoundland, Canada. Um, there's lots of talk as to why it hasn't been pulled up, but it's not as simple as that. It'll crumble. It's got um, lots of bacteria, like not bacteria, um, growths on it. and um, You can see photos of what it looks like now. Over half the people on Titanic could have been saved if all of the space available on the lifeboats were used. So even the fact that they didn't have enough still could have saved half. Um, There was a chief baker and he was – he survived. He was treading water for two hours um, prior to being found. So two hours he was in the frozen water. And he claimed the copious amounts of whiskey he drank kept his body warm. That was one of William's questions. <laughs> um, only 23 of the 908 crew on, the, on board were female. Uh, this was a sad one. Edmund and Michael... Navratil. So they were the only children to survive the Titanic. Their father kidnapped them from their mother and planned to take them to America, but the last they saw of him was when he put them on the lifeboat. And there was actually 13 couples on their honeymoon and they got preference in a lifeboat as well. So that, I believe... um, leads us to the end uh I've got oh sorry I forgot to read this out too I believe um so 39% of first class died and there was one child who passed away 58% of second class died and 76% of third class died and 52 children there was actually nine dogs on board too and two survived dogs all right now I'm going to end with some conspiracy theories because <laughs> they are so interesting to um, bring up. So I've, I've listed a few purely for the humour, really. I'm not saying I believe them at all. So the first one is that there was an unmanageable fire in the boiler room and this was true to an extent. There was a pretty bad fire and they had to get there quicker due to safety, not to impress the, you know, the crowds that they'd be a day earlier. Um, Another theory was that the financer JP Morgan, who you might have heard about, he declined his ticket on the day before and, you know, he planned this whole disaster to kill his rivals on board, which is interesting to think that he planted the iceberg there. Another interesting one was that it was actually, and this is a really popular claim, that they, Titanic's sister ship, Olympic, um, actually had lots of damage. So there's a theory that they swapped ships and Titanic never sunk, um, but it was all an insurance claim. And I'll end with this one, um, that it the ship had a mummy's curse on it because when you look at the ship num- numbers in the in the mirror, they spell out, no Pope. <laughs> so there you go, some conspiracy theories. All right, William, your questions and you might have some facts to share. No, you touched on most of them. Great. Kids, though, uh, can I challenge one of you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. 
67 kids were saved. Yep. The youngest being two months old. Well, I would... Milvina Dean. Well, I was close to. Okay. Uh, I count 12 dogs. I don't know where you... (laughs) (laughs) In the movie, do you know there's a short scene of dogs running around? Yeah, yep. There was actually... Cameron actually deleted scenes of dogs drowning because he oh. felt it would be. Oh, absolutely. It's harder to watch sometimes. Yep. Baker's name was Charles. Great. The rich guy, the richest guy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you mentioned him before? Yep. It was that he had 355 million. What's his name? John Jacob Astor. Yeah, he, he didn't survive. No, he didn't. His he body was, was just found with all that He cash. was helping um, put the babies and women on oh. and he was caught having a fag just before it went down. Oh, well, thank you. That's a really important fa- fact to share that he was helping women and children. Thank you. That's all. Thank you for your um, facts. I just thought with that I'd mention I had a few people reach out listening to the last episode that they'd like to come on as a guest and by all means, please come on. Um, I'd love to have a guest and maybe you have a topic that you're really interested in. I'd love to share it with you. So please absolutely um, come on, come on in. I'll find a spot for you. Um, We're going to end now with the song that I spoke about. So this was the last song that was played and you might remember it from the movie at the end. It does have some, um, screaming, which is quite traumatic to hear, but then you'll hear the quote that the orchestra did say to each other. So thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight's episode was a bit longer and it was a bit heavy. So I um, ask you firstly to watch the Titanic again, although it is quite romanticised, um, it's it's good to see sort of um, general life on, on board, I guess you'd say. Um, and I'm hearing some... Uh, sorry, I just uh, got some texts, which is great. I'm just trying to figure out who this one is from. Uh, but it says, well done, Eleanor. So interesting. And I think it might be my auntie. Oh, no. Is it? I think it's Amanda, actually. Maybe. It might be Amanda. <laughs> Great show, Eleanor. You painted a good picture of the disaster that was the Titanic. So thank you for saying that, um, Mum. And she's also said very interesting facts. I have no questions, but I'm enjoying the show. So oh, thank you. It was Amanda before too. This is so interesting. I'm listening with bated breath, Miranda from the Sunshine Coast. Thank you so much. Oh, it's so good to hear. And Kate just texted in saying her son is enjoying it. So I'm really glad that you um, enjoyed it as well, dare I say, as much as me. Um, on a on a serious note to end the show, as I said, the, the movie quite romanticised the um, the love story that that was um, actually made up. But um, but it's it's important to think about we uh, we haven't had anything as um, like the Titanic in our time, obviously. Um, uh, on such a grand scale or in such a way, um, there hasn't been anything similar um, like this. So it's sometimes hard to connect to the story and really f- um, empathise because it feels like it was such a, um, you know, distant thing and, and such a bizarre thing to, to happen and tragedy after tragedy. But I think this song really took me to a place of reflection and to think about how scared those passengers would have been and how they didn't know 
you know, it all happened so fast and they, they just didn't know what was to come and their fate and particularly the children. Um, it would just, I mean, I, I'm not even going to insult them by, you know, going on, but um, it's just something that just, I just really, um, I ask you to think about how they would have felt that night. All right, so here we go with the song. Um, uh, my, uh, my, when I get the song right, song name right, uh, the song is called "Nearer My God to Thee." Uh, we'll end on this. The following episode will be in a fortnight's time, and we go back to unpacking the song. We didn't start the fire. Please enjoy this song, and I'll see you next episode. Thank you. Bye. Gentlemen, it has been a privilege playing with you tonight.